Welcome to Book Talk with Kara Putman. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Kara Putman, the award-winning, best-selling author of more than 30 novels. I write romantic legal suspense and World War II romance, but I read voraciously. Each week, I'll introduce you to one of my favorite author friends as we talk books, writing, and life. Be sure to check back frequently for new episodes. Hello, everyone. It's Tuesday night, and I am so delighted to have this opportunity to introduce you to my writing friend, Andrea Christensen. And this is going to be really fun because you met Rachel Russell a few weeks ago, and Andrea writes in the same series that Rachel does. And I just finished reading her first book in that series, uh, the Deep Haven series, can't buy me love. And let me tell you, I sat down and I basically read it in one sitting on Sunday afternoon. It was so good. I really enjoyed the characters. So Andrea, it's great to have you here tonight. Would you like to take a moment and introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so I'm Andre Christensen, and I um, am a Sunrise published author now. Um, my uh, husband and my two daughters, we live in um, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and uh, I guess I should have prepared what I was going to say because now, now I feel like, oh, I'm stumbling over my words. <laughs> but <laughs> we enjoy um, uh, traveling together, and we enjoy uh, spending time together, so just super excited to have now published my second book sunrise and get to talk about can't buy me love and talk about hanging by a moment so tell me a little bit about how you became an author with Susie and sunrise publishing because that's kind of a unique process so what was it like for you Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is a unique uh, process because they are a boutique publisher. Sunrise Publishing is boutique publisher is how they self-describe. And um, they have such a neat approach. They take um, debut authors such as myself and they pair them with mentor authors um, in order to um, uh, help train authors as well as to um, uh, just uh, published fun new books. So I um, had to um, audition for the role. Um, Susie Warren is one of my writing superheroes and the opportunity to think, oh my goodness, I can write with Susie. That was just, it was uh, such an honor to think about. And so I um, sent in an application and um, they did a blind audition and um, I was one of the top ones picked along with Rachel and Michelle. And then they contacted us and said, hey, um, are you can, interested in continuing with this process because we think you might do well writing for Deep Haven novels and uh, of course I was very thrilled to be yeah. <laughs> chosen and and so yeah so then um, uh, after we were uh, had signed our contracts and we all got together and kind of brainstormed our books together so that we didn't um, yeah. overlap too much or miss something or um, so what was that process like? Because brainstorming is one of my favorite parts of writing. There's such a synergy and an energy that happens when you've got creatives together and they're just bouncing ideas off each other. So what was that process like for you? 
Yeah, well, it was it is so fun. I'm definitely a little more of an extrovert. So like having people around and, and whatnot kind of gets me going anyway. And so then to have have all these high minded ideas of how we wanted to write things in was it was great. So we had all started all three of us for our first books with kind of a small idea of what we wanted to do, kind of a kind of a story concept more than any sort of actual plot line or any of that. Um, some people ask me if um, I had already written this book before signing with Sunrise as you would do in a more traditional uh, route, but I had not. And okay. um, I had not necessarily even envisioned a full story until we had gotten together. So it just was kind of kind of a, a nugget of an idea. Um, and then we were, fleshed it, were able to flesh it out together. So Susie has a very um, uh, uh, wonderful formulaic, uh, way to um, write books. And mm -hmm. so uh, not formulaic, that makes it sound rote, but she has idea and, you know, helpful ways to uh, think about your plot lines and, and whatnot. And so the Lindy hop is something that I still use with just yes. about every book. Yes. And then right. the story equation, when I'm trying to figure out, okay, what's really going on behind yes. my characters yes. and motivating them and everything they're doing. And so I agree. Anytime I can sit down and listen to yes. Susie Warren talking about craft, right. you better believe I am in the front row. I am sitting <laughs> there with my laptop, fingers yeah. flying, because yeah. there's just so much richness there. So what was it like? Because you you said she's one of your heroes yes. and I would agree her books are phenomenal so was that intimidating because she's also one of the most welcoming people I know mm -hmm. so were you able to kind of balance out oh my gosh this is one of my writing heroes with oh my gosh now I get to learn how to write with her right yeah so I I had known her a little bit from various um uh, uh, conferences we'd been to together. I mean, I wouldn't say that I knew her well, but I knew that she was a gracious person. So that helped to, yeah. to um, get to know her that way. But then when we were all together, we had um, a writing retreat in Arizona and just the generosity of her time and her ideas and even generosity with with her um, characters, um, made, she made it so easy to, to just join in and um, uh, so easy to to feel confident she said you know every character has their own kind of feel but every character is going to see characters in a different way so I may have written this person this way but someone else might find that to be a little arrogant or whatever so you can play with the characters just a little bit that way through the eyes of your own character in order to make it make sense for you yeah well and that's such a great lesson to learn it with your debut novel and writing in a group because that's what can make it so interesting is you know we might know a character or think we know them really well from their point of view and from the hero or the heroine's point of view of them but now you are you're getting kind of those secondary perspectives and it it does allow a little tweaking because what i might find really charming and cute you might find mildly offensive and put offish and so to have her say hey you can do that because everyone's going to perceive something a little differently that right. must have felt like a little bit of freedom to play Yes, it definitely did feel that way, because as long as we let the characters be true to themselves, the way that the other characters viewed them could could change a bit. It could add a little conflict even, you know, maybe one, maybe my character sees one of Susie's characters as being a little arrogant, but she wrote him to be more confident. And then we can, we can um, 
play with that a little bit until finally my character sees him as the confidence instead of the arrogance or, or whatnot. So it kind of was a, a fun way to learn how to do some of that interplay. Absolutely. So we've got a little bit of a Susie Mae Warren fan club going in the comments. Because um, Kate is going, yes, she's amazing. Yes. And we've got several people popping in to say hello that you're new to them author, which is so fun. I love that when I get to introduce people to new to them authors. And Kate Angela was saying, yes, she agrees with me that Can't Buy Me Love was unput downable. So we now have two people for those of you who are watching or listening that are saying this is a fantastic book so now i want you to kind of set it up for us a little bit so in like two minutes tell yeah. us why this is a book that we should invest an afternoon or a few hours in reading because it really was fantastic well thank you so much i appreciate that yeah so i would i would describe can't buy me love as um a hint of a modern day cinderella story where there is uh, adrian vassos who's a wealthy millionaire playboy and then there is um Ella Bradley, who is a, she's a housekeeper and she makes cleaning products and, and uh, they have conflict between the two things. Adrian comes to town to Deep Haven to, to try to set up um, something that, that Ella is completely opposed to. And so then they have to work together. And they both actually spend a night in uh, the local jail and then they have to <laughs> serve together on a um, uh, uh, community um, service team and kind of learn to work together that way and whatnot so, so I, I loved that i actually really really loved that as a setup because yeah. you know there there's no other way that those two would get together there's right. just not i mean they're so different yeah. and so it made it feel very real and it gave them each an opportunity to say or to kind of get the person behind the perception and right. so to see who they really are not just how what everybody says they are Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the thing that I really wanted to focus on through the book was, was kind of the learning to trust each other and learning to trust God, um, learning to um, uh, let go of past hurts and, and some of those things. So it's not a super deep book, but I do hope that people kind of take away some of those little tidbits as well. Well, and I don't want you to, to go, it's not a super deep book because yeah. it's fun and it's got real conflict. And so there's actually there's layers to it that sometimes I think as the author, we miss because that's what, like tomorrow I'm going and I'll be interacting with a book club about one of my books. And I honestly don't remember today if it's flight risk or lethal intent oh, no. or which one it is. <laughs> um, but what I love about interacting with book clubs is that they always see things in a story mm -hmm. that as the author, I missed. And yeah. so I really saw it as, stepping into identity and mm -hmm. stepping out of what everybody says you are and sure. stepping into the reality of who you can be, how mm -hmm. God sees you, how other people see you, because so many of us live these limited lives and they're not limited by necessarily other people, but what we think other people are thinking about us or mm -hmm. what they've said about us in the past. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was such a rich layer. Um, and even with the stepsister, because sure. you've got a stepsister in there and yep. she's even been limited by how other people have told her she has to feel. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm glad you picked up on some of those pieces because, you know, as an author, you hope to weave some of that stuff in, but you're never quite sure if you've been successful and, and not uh, just jammed in 
um, the lesson outside of the story. So, well, and Christy is saying that Can't Buy Me Love was a fun one right out of the gate because the shoes. And uh, yes, <laughs> I loved that setup, the Cinderella story and the shoes and how yeah. it ends up being once left behind. And right. it was just so fun, such a fun <laughs> way to set up, but yet a fresh take on it, which sometimes, I mean, is that intimidating? You're taking on Cinderella for goodness sakes. Yeah, a little bit. It helps that I wasn't trying to do a whole Cinderella story, just more like little nods to it or almost like an Easter egg uh, here and there of Cinderella. And um, originally I had kind of had a lot of more cheesy moments of Cinderella-y stuff that I kind of pulled back on so that it was, um, you know, I wanted it to have a, a hint of magic without actually being, you know, real magic because Deep Haven is a world that exists without outside of magic or whatever. Yeah. So, but I, I think I think um, there were some opportunities there to really kind of add in some of that that glow, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And yet it was done subtly. I mean, it was really woven in in such a beautiful way because if it gets heavy handed, that's when it's easy for me to set a book aside and I'm like, oh, I'll get back to it. Right. And yet yours, I literally sat down and read in like three hours and I'm a pretty fast reader, but I don't often give myself the space to just sit down and inhale a book. So it tells you how much fun I was having with it. So really well done. Um, and it was, cause I often will struggle with just like straight romance and yet there was enough other stuff and layers into it that it really captured my attention and my heart. So well done. Um, okay, so we all love Cinderella stories. I have the next book, but I'll admit I haven't had a chance to read it yet. It's sitting on my Kindle waiting for me. So who did you pick up? Because Deep Haven is a place that people who've read Susie's stories and love them love Deep Haven. I mean, it's one of those places um, that I'm like, oh, it would be so much fun to actually go into the wilds of Minnesota and small town life and all of that. So what was your next angle? Because this is a pre-existing town, pre-existing characters to a certain extent. Did you bring people from outside again? Or this time, did you switch to some people that we might be familiar with from the other books? Yeah, good question. It's actually 50-50. So the... um, Yep, the hero is uh, Jack Stewart, and he comes um, from outside of town. Excuse me, um, but the the heroine is actually Colleen Decker from the um, um, "You Don't Know Me" that Susie had written. Yeah. She was a teenager the last time we saw her, and um, and now she's all grown up, and so she has to learn uh, what it's like to be a grown up in Deep Haven and um, uh, learn. Um, yeah, she's how to uh, uh, break free from some of her high school, um, uh, I don't I guess some high school um, bad attitudes and, and whatnot. So. <laughs> oh, that's great. And I, mean, I don't know about you, but I have found that when I go home, it's really easy to fall back into those old patterns and the way we've done things, Mm -hmm. unless I'm being very intentional and going, I'm not the person I was, not that I did anything wrong, but even just within my nuclear family being like, this is the role Kara has played. So this is the role I must play now. Mm -hmm. And so it's fun that you were exploring Mm -hmm. that. So what was Colleen's, what was the biggest challenge writing her? 
Yeah, well, so it was kind of funny because um, um, I, I had said, oh, maybe we'll take Colleen because Colleen could be a nurse. And for reasons that you'll find out, we needed a, a nurse to come back to Deep Haven. And um, it seemed like something that she would have done with her life after being kind of, you know, athletic. And maybe she would have thought about being a personal trainer. But then she um, has some things happen that may or may not have made it into the book now that I think about it. But anyway, her, her <laughs> course, was a, it was as a nurse. And and um, but Susie uh, does not like Colleen as a character. She she was like, I wrote her as a bratty kid and she was always sassing her mom and getting into trouble. And she didn't appreciate Tucker and Tucker Newman, her boyfriend at, in high school. And I said, well, give me a chance to redeem Colleen and we'll see if we can take some of her sassiness and and stubbornness and turn it into tenacity and into um, resiliency and, and some of those positive qualities that can come from your your sort of teenage um sassy uh girls so that's awesome so um Susie Oakley has posted a comment that she just finished can't buy me love today and it was so good but I love what she did she asked her library to get all of the deep even books and all of the new ones and so that's such a great thing for readers to do. I mean, I can't tell you how many authors I've discovered at the library, and I consider it a personal favor when readers will ask their libraries to carry my books, or um, I will often ask our library system to carry other Christian authors, because if you ask, they often will. Um, and I think especially during the pandemic and everything, it's been such a good way for people to be able to find books and things like that. Um, and so what was what's one thing or two things that you would ask readers to do? What would be helpful if they've discovered your books and they love your stories? What is something that's really encouraging and helpful to you? Well, for sure, the library thing, you know, at my library, we, um, we each, uh, everyone who has a library card there gets five suggestions a month. So I try to make it my personal goal to suggest up to all five every month um and i have had uh, maybe one get rejected i think and i think it was because they'd already purchased the book so oh, that's awesome i know right so oftentimes that can be such a great way for new readers to um learn about new authors like you said um but then i also heard a really encouraging story lately uh, a gal that went to my mom's hi mom i think you're on um uh her bible study she bought a handful of books and passed them around to her friends and said the only um caveat is you have to pass them on from here and i think so often readers think that that authors only want book sales all the time but what we really want is for people to read what we've written for people to read what we've really Really poured our hearts into and so it was so honoring to me that she would that she would do that and then she would ask her friends to share um share those books around and so those five books maybe turned into 20 people who have read it or 30 people who have read it and so that was it was such a it was such a privilege to me to hear hear about that that's awesome and you know it can be easy to go, oh, a sale would be better. But mm -hmm. I will take books that I have. And when my bookshelves get full, as you can see from the ones behind me there, I will take the extra books mm -hmm. that I've read and that I might have passed around. And I'll take them to free little libraries or I'll take them to churches that have libraries and places like that. Because then if someone reads one, they may go through and buy the others. They may right. not want to wait. And so 
it's a great way to help expose people to the books. And then word of mouth is just so critical. And I think it's easy to underestimate how helpful that really is for mm-hmm. authors. Mm-hmm. So what's one of the things that you really have walked away from this process? Because Can't Buy Me Love was your first book. Yes. Um, and then you've written the second one. And now you guys just got extended for another set, which is yes. yay. That's so awesome. So um, what's something that you would say is like the number one takeaway that you wish you had known when you were starting to write? Oh boy. Um, well, one thing that I've been learning from Susie is that you can always take a story a little bit deeper. You know, you can always create a tiny bit more conflict. You can always have just a little more um, uh, um, revelation for the characters near the end. You can always have yeah, a little more um, uh, emotion. You can always have a little more of everything, you can go a little deeper. And that's kind of been my mantra as I as I go through, I think, okay, how can I make the scene just a little deeper? You know, it doesn't have to be a um, huge change or it doesn't have to be the world's greatest novel or or whatnot, but to just take it just a little bit deeper for, for the benefit of the persons who are going to be going to be reading that story. You know, that is the advice that my agent kept giving me for years because I wrote my 36th or 37th book just came out today. And there were a lot of years where I was writing three or four books a year while doing other things that she kept going, go deeper, go deeper. And it took me a while to figure that out. But Susie's system really is a great way when you do the story equation, you're looking at the lie and the wound and the dark moments. And um, one of them that I always struggle with, which I think is so funny is what's the happiest moment that your character has had? Yes. And Beth Boat was like, okay, so you need to start keeping a happy moment journal. And I'm like, sure. how weird is that? Most people would be like, I don't know what it feels like to be like really depressed. I'm like, happy moments, you just keep going, you know? So yeah. is there one of those that's been more difficult for you to incorporate in your writing? Mm-hmm. Or was there like this aha moment where you're like, oh, now I get it. Yeah, no, Susie talks a lot about using stakes to uh, enhance your writing. And if, so if you've ever taken any classes from her, you'll know that it's stakes, stakes, stakes. Like what are the what are, what are are the bad things that will happen if, if the character's goal is not met in this chapter? And what are, what are the good things that will happen if the character's goal is met in this chapter? And um, sometimes they're external stakes and sometimes they're internal stakes. And, and uh, sometimes that can be a little tricky. You know, I need a character to just do a thing. Like I was teasing with my girls that one time I just needed a character to go to dinner with the, with the other family. That's all I needed. I didn't need any stakes. I just like, I needed that to happen in order for the later thing to happen. But of course, Susie is not content with that. Like it has to have, something has to happen. Maybe something happens so that that person doesn't go to dinner or like what would happen if at dinner the table collapsed or, you know, you can't just have um, just a simple action. It needs to be um, grounded in, in kind of more of the what ifs, what if good, what if bad, and uh, really digging into the heart of, of why this person is acting in that way. Yeah, that's, and that's work. It's yeah. so much easier just to be like, oh, I just need them to move from here to here yeah. Yeah. to then go, oh, okay, so why? And if there's nothing happening yeah. internally, then it probably just needs to go away. Mm-hmm. And that is, it's something that you can internalize and kind of start doing automatically, but it takes a while because yeah. Yeah. it's work. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Go ahead. 
So when you're writing, do you see it playing out in front of you? Do you hear your characters talking? What's that process like for you? I do see it to some extent, especially when I'm really in the zone. Um, I don't, I don't talk to my characters. You know, some people will say, oh, I, you know, I had a conversation with them this morning and this is what we talked about or whatever. I don't, I haven't found that to be useful. It's maybe a tool that I'll be able to develop in the future, but I definitely, definitely, when I'm really um, deep into it, I will see what is happening and I'm able to kind of, um, uh, get that out on the page. And then if someone tries to talk to me, then I'll just give them this sort of blank stare because I'm not really there in my house. I'm actually in Deep Haven and I can't think about what we're having for supper because, you know, my character is in the middle of a conflict. So <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, it's so much fun when you hit that flow point where you're just like, I am so in it that it's hard to come back out of story world right. um, and into the real world, you know, what's for dinner and where do the kids need to be next and all of that. Yeah. So what's the craziest thing you've had to research so far? Well, um, in Hanging by a Moment, there's a um, medical procedure that has to happen that is kind of spoilery if I uh, say too much about it, but it's a it's a fairly complicated leg procedure that I googled and, and then um, I had to keep googling it because I, I didn't know how to find it in a normal um, medical journal or something until finally someone had posted a photo and some really gross pictures uh, where I was able to really dig into the, sorry, pardon the pun, but really dig into the surgery and, um, and write it hopefully somewhat authentically. So yeah, I, that was probably my trickiest one to, <laughs> to track down. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny the things that we end up doing for the sake of story. Like I intentionally did not go to medical school because I fainted at everything for a long time. And so I was like, this would not be good. You know, that wouldn't be good for me to faint if I had to, you know, do something. Yes. And yet lethal intent has actually been called a medical thriller. And I'm like, right. what are the odds? What are the odds? And yet, I had to do all this research and was talking to oncologists and, you know, digging into CAR T cell research and all this stuff. Cause I'm like, I had to know it in order to be able to write it authentically. And so it is, it feels like we're getting all these degrees and certifications that we don't get any credit for. Right. Yes. Yes. I would say the, my third book is, um, uh, that will be coming out a whole year from now. So, um, but that one was, has been fun to research because that one takes place in a bakery. So I get to do like bakery research and, uh, cook things in the kitchen so that I can see like what it actually tastes like or what it really, you know, what would really happen if you combine the wrong ingredient or whatever. So it'd oh, be more fun than the yeah. <laughs> medical journals for, uh, nasty surgical procedures. Yeah, I'm glad you weren't practicing that on yourself. Or really yes. Come here, honey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let me just try this out. We'll see what it really feels like. Right. Yes. 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 I'm with you. I think the bakery research would be much more fun. Much, much more, more fun. fun. Yeah. So several people are commenting on, you know, how your research is impressive and that readers are thankful for that because it really does make it more authentic. I can tell when someone's kind of shortcutted and it'll often pull me out of the story and then it's hard to dive back in. So it, it really is worth it. Um, and Susie says she's destined to write a book with a baker in it someday. So <laughs> yes. what's, the, what's the craziest thing you had to bake or cook yeah, for the so purpose of your story? 
one of the things that I wanted to do was have kind of a signature bake for this bakery to have. And so I, um, I found this really weird, I don't even know what it was supposed to taste like, but this really weird like Dutch, um, I think it was meant to be taste kind of like a donut, but it swims in a la creme anglaise. So it's, it's kind of a, it was kind of a pastry-ish thing. And I was, when we were eating it, my family and I, they were very polite about the situation, but we, since we had no idea what it was supposed to taste like, it was uh, very, uh, I will not be making that again. That will not be the bakery <laughs> signature bake because it was like a piece of bread dough floating on this like, milky whatever it was not good I completely <laughs> wrong I don't know if I did it wrong or not but <laughs> I'll never oh, know. that's hilarious the things yeah. we do for our books right yeah. um yeah. so and Teresa says it must be music to your ears to be able to say my third book yes yes oh my goodness it's so unbelievable like I still am pinching myself that that is that is what is happening and that that um you know when I we was the contract uh the first contract was sort of the two books and so when I received a contract for the third book I actually came running to my husband's office we live on the same campus where his office is and I stood in his doorway and I just was crying and he's like is this good or is this bad <laughs> what is happening I said it's good they want me to write another one and just the thought that people were entertained by something that I had written on a page and wanted more of it was was such an honor and um uh, such a such a dream come true so that's awesome well congratulations Thank and you. for those who have been tuning in I really enjoyed can't buy me love and can't wait to dive into the next one um, and so I highly recommend them. Thank you so much for joining me, Andrea. It was so fun to get to know you better and learn more about your journey and your books. And congratulations. It's oh, wonderful you. to see them doing so well. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. And next week, um, Bessie St. Amant will be here talking about her brand new book, Tacos for Two. So there's a, a food theme going, but Love thank it. you to everyone for joining us tonight. And I hope you enjoyed meeting Andrea and learning more about her books. If you enjoyed this conversation, remember you can join us live on my Facebook page on Tuesday evenings at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the next conversation. I'd also be grateful if you'd leave a review on your favorite platform. I love to hear from you. So be sure to leave a comment on this episode's show page at caraputman.com. And you can also interact with me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And don't forget, when you join my e-newsletter, I send you a copy of Dying for Love, the novella that launches the Hidden Justice series as my gift to you. Thanks again for tuning in.